You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast and awesome guest today, Awesome Aubrey. Uh, he's been a member here at CrossFit Moncton for seven years. Mm. It's been a while. Over uh, 1,250 classes done. He's run 10 marathons. He's a loving father and husband. He actually just recently qualified for Masters Weightlifting Pan American Games, which is pretty remarkable because I know how hard it is to, to get there. So that puts a... It's a lot of work and effort to get that. He's also been in the education system for 26 years um, and is responsible for a lot of people and a lot of money. So <laughs> Aubrey Kirkpatrick, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. So we, we've obviously known each other for quite some time. Um, I've been your coach in, in a few different facets of, of fitness, health, and nutrition. Um, I find your you have a very interesting and remarkable story when it comes to resiliency so for me this was a, a no-brainer to have you on the show um let's go back a little ways like over seven years ago what what sparked you to start making these changes to your health health and fitness yeah so my crossfit journey began uh seven years ago a little bit longer than that with uh, my daughter saying hey i want to go to crossfit would you come with me And I was like, oh, man, I've never been to a gym before. Um, All of my athletic endeavors and training and stuff has all been solo and uh, all over the place. And so um, I came uh, to the uh, to the gym with with my daughter, Chloe, and we did the uh, fundamentals and uh, I was hooked right away. Uh, Just I knew that the environment, the uh, the exercise, the um, the way that I was coached meant that I was going to be supported in this environment. And it was kind of like being part of a team. And really, I saw right away that this was a place for me that would push a couple of buttons, one being my physical buttons, but also my mental um, health and challenges from the perspective of pushing myself beyond limits that I self-imposed, right? And so just that ability, every class, I still to this day, get a little nervous. Can I do this? Yeah. And we all do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and but I think that nervous energy is what um, you know we we need in our lives to kind of keep us sharp and 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 fresh. Yeah, I like what you said. Um, the limits that you you had were self imposed. I think that's true for most limits in anybody's life. They're all self imposed. And so how do you think people overcome that? Like, I think a lot of people, they, they have these limits and they just say, well, it's just the way it is. Like I hear it all the time. I heard it this morning. Oh, I'm getting older, you know, just can't, can't do what I used to. Well, that's, that's a self-imposed limit. You're, you're just doing that to yourself saying that here are all the things that I can't do because I'm a certain age. That doesn't, mm. that doesn't make any sense. So how, how can people overcome those limits? I think that, um, is something we, we talked about last week and it was, I said to you, these are the stories that I tell myself, even though my life experience is completely different, I have in my mind how I am, but I 
I deliberately get out and try to push the limits on that. So I think that how an individual can get rid of self-imposed limits is to say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to put myself in the uncomfortable position of that. And by doing that, you really, um, you first of all, you, you start to squash that, that story that you've been telling yourself, but also it gives you more, I guess it's a foundational thing. So the, the first time it's maybe difficult, but the second time and the third time, and before you know it, you're doing things you never thought you'd be able to do, right? So it's really being cognizant of, I'm going to take the risk. It's a decision. Right. It has to start with a decision like I'm going to change something or be different in, in some way, shape or form. So um, that's definitely true when it came to when I was doing uh, ice baths or, or the cold baths. Man, how hard was it to convince myself to do it the first dozen times or so? And then after that, it's just routine. Like this is the time of day when I do this now. And that's it's just do it. It didn't make the actual doing of it any easier, but it made the decision to do it a hell of a lot easier by just being consistent about it. Yeah, and I think that recognizing the fact that we all tell ourselves a, a story about ourselves. Like, so when, when I said that to you, it was like a revelation. Oh my gosh, I've been telling myself that I'm an extreme introvert. I, I am introverted, but um, my actions are all extroverted you know, I put myself in uncomfortable positions and I don't know if that's on purpose or if, if it's by chance, but I certainly have been in so many situations that of my own volition, I put myself out there. And um, I think maybe it comes from that thing that we talked about earlier, just before every gym class is uh, that adrenaline that um, can I do this? And maybe that's the, the ticket right there that that I'm hooked on that to, you know, to um, improve or to beat my time or to get in front of a group of people and talk about projects and those kinds of things, right? Even though at the end of it, I'm exhausted, the energy that I get prior to is pretty phenomenal. It's, it's like an internal drug, it is. <laughs> but it's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's good to have. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you said it's the story that I've been telling myself, and that's really my definition of mindset your mindset is the story that you tell yourself to yourself about yourself and that story can easily get put on a loop and on replay and you you know we talk about your reticular activating system and you're constantly looking for things that that prove that that is true well i'm introverted why well here are all the times where i've been that that's the case and what you're telling me is that you're breaking that mold and doing the opposite. I may be introverted, but I, I can still go out and do all of these things that are challenging, not just me physically, but also your story, your mindset, who you are. And I think that's, that's an important takeaway from this. So if anyone listening to this, it's get out and do hard things that you find challenging. And that doesn't mean run 10 marathons or join CrossFit. It could be anything that's, that's challenging to you currently. Yeah, I think that the idea that by putting yourself into situations where you know you're going to be challenged, you are building muscle. 
Mm-hmm. So whether it's experienced muscle or it's it's the um, ability to speak in public or or just you know being in a room full of people that you don't know and trying to converse with them because I would struggle in that environment, but I can do it. Um, and that's the thing. We're all wired a certain way. That is just science, right? And so, but that doesn't mean that's where we stay, right? I know that I'm wired in this particular way, but I also know I can develop skills and have developed those skills to maybe compensate for being shy or comp- compensate for being, um, you know, kind of introverted a little bit. So um, you can do it. That's the message. You can do it. It's just wanting to take that step. Yeah. It's that desire, that that decision point. Hmm. I, I'm ready for a change. And we, so le- leading up to this podcast episode, Aubrey and I met last week and we just had a, a little discussion. He's getting me to come in for a, as a, a guest speaker for a group. And we were really just like shooting the shit. Um, and I asked the question, what, what determines somebody to make a change? And we talked about there's kind of like two two camps. One one side of it is you've hit rock bottom. You've you've reached a point where I can't take this pain anymore, and something has to give. Or the other side of it is it's a it's a taking off point, and you've created a goal so large that you have to change to be a different person to achieve it. So. Where, where do you feel that you fall on, on those two categories when it came to making the changes that you have? Yeah, I think that was really a cool uh, revelation for both of us to a degree. I think we said um, one path is pain, the other path is gain. And so um, in my particular case, um, I did a complete, I would say, lifestyle change. After five years of CrossFit, I was strong but still not where I needed to be so I knew diet and uh, drinking uh, were issues Um, so um, this that the summer of um, of 20 I had said okay I'm gonna make a change and a significant change because I was drinking a fair amount through COVID and prior to that it was a lifestyle so every weekend you know that was my thing and I knew that um, what I said to myself was this. I said, I want to train like an athlete, an Olympic athlete. So let's make some changes, you know. So I stopped drinking and, and started changing uh, diet. And most importantly, I think, was I got uh, a coach, uh, you. And uh, that really helped the initial stage, right, from probably four to six months was when I needed the support the most and I had got it from you and and, uh, in spades. And I think that um, what solidified the change was I hooked the change on a big ass goal and that was to qualify to compete in the National Masters Weightlifting Championships that were going to be in Moncton. So it was a no brainer. And um, so I started, you know, training and CrossFit was, uh, you know, I can continued to go to CrossFit five days a week and but then I started with the barbell club and started learning how to properly lift and and um, I think without that big hook I could have easily fallen off the track um, without the support of the coach I could have easily fallen off the track but I didn't and you know as we were talking just a bit earlier that um, 
had I not, I believe this, I think, had I not done that, um, I would be in a very different place right now because I lost my mom and dad in, during COVID um, in January. It was on their 60th anniversary date, if you can believe this. They were about to have a party and then they were separated. Dad got sick and then mom got sick the same day. Um, they were separated in the home that they were in and um, my father passed away a couple days after that and then my mom about five days after that. And I know that had I still been drinking and and that sort of thing that I would have probably, you know, dealt with it that way. But I didn't um, because I believe that I had invested so much and had this major hook in my life, this major thing, this North Star, that I stayed with the program and somehow dealt with everything, the shit show that it was, because I also had COVID when they were, they were sick. So I couldn't go and I couldn't usher them, help usher them out of this life. But, um, you know, so the major traumatic event still today, but, um, um, but I can say like two years and a bit later, I'm still, I still haven't had anything to drink and don't intend to. And one of the reasons why another hook is, is, um, you and some other folks that, uh, I greatly admire that do not drink that I could say, yeah, I want to be like that person. Right. And so being able to attach some of that mental energy onto those things really helped me stay the course but two things one thank you for the uh, the accolades and two what a what a great story of resiliency like that's that's a, a defining story when it comes to that so f for you to back to the original question it seems like it was both happened you were at that low point and you also had a north star that you had that hook that you were driving towards. I mean, how powerful is that? It's like hooking up reins, not to just one horse, but now you have two horses pulling you through this and making this massive change and sticking with it, mm. right? Mm. Um, why, why don't people change? Because w we both see it. Mm. As a coach, I see people all the time that they... It's like they kind of put in the work. They want to say that they're putting in the work, but then nothing really happens. What's it, what's it going to take for them? Mm. I think when we look at what it takes to change, I think we, we look at the, the elements that, that uh, can improve our lives and we go, well, that doesn't look that hard. Uh, or we go, it can't be that simple. That's better put. It can't be that simple. More sleep, drinking water, exercising, all of these things that are basically free just require a change in mindset that I'm going to start on this path. And I think probably what gets in the way is that we look at things in the big picture versus chunking things down. Mm. I just take one step in changing my sleep patterns I can have another glass of water I can you know choose to eat healthy or you know or not eat that right so it's these little increments that add up over time but what gets in the way is the fact of the matter that we see that's too big and I shut down right and so it, it really does come down to 
chunking it down into small steps and really focusing in on what I can control today and not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week or whatever. It's just living in that moment and, and making the right choices. Um, so, I mean, I guess I didn't really answer like what, what is the, the, you know, what, what has to happen in order for somebody to, to want to change. Cause I know a lot of people that want to change, uh, start down a path and then they don't get all the way to their goal. I see, I just wrote down two things. What Two things came to mind. Overwhelm is one. Mm. And it's, it ties into what you said about, you know, looking down the road, big picture stuff. It's almost like a information overload. I have so many things to change. I don't even know where to start. So I'm just not going to bother. Mm. Right. And it's, I, I truly believe, and it, I have a biased opinion, obviously. But when you hire a coach to help you, you can boil all of that information down to that small step or that small chunk that you can focus on, get some accountability along the way to start that momentum. And once you start with the momentum, it's easier to build it than it is trying to change everything all at once. Mm. Call it the overhaul diet. I want to change everything. My fitness, nutrition mindset all at once. We know that's not sustainable. You're going to come in hot and then it's going to burn out real quick. Yeah. And so that's why I like the family here at CrossFit because it is very supportive. So when you come into to work out, you're with a group of people that also have the same mindset, right? And they're enjoying the process of, of uh, pushing limits and that sort of thing. So you're, that's another important piece is to get yourself in an environment that's supportive, right? Because you can be, you can want to do, you know, say change your diet. And uh, like you mentioned on the podcast last week, that if you're in a you know, a situation where somebody wants to gift you, you know, chocolate bars all the time, or you're in a family that's, you know, it's like big honking meals all the time, then you're going to have a difficult time with that. So getting in the, an environment that's going to support your goals is really important. Absolutely. And another, another aspect I think that, that stops people or, or prevents them from moving forward is this uh, perfection. Mm. I need to have everything perfect versus I just need to do better than I did yesterday. Yeah. So what's, again, going back, what's that 1% change that I can make? Like you said, can you drink one more glass of water today? That is well within your control to do. It's not going from, you know, zero glasses to eight glasses. That's obviously such a, it's a big, a big step or a big change. So what are those smaller steps? Progress over perfection. That was actually the title of my very first speech that I, that I ever gave. And, uh, you know, we talked about this as well uh, last week. Fitness, nutrition, your mindset, your environment, your social, your relational aspects of your life aren't on a switch. They're not, it's not like a light switch where, you know, ah, oh, work's really busy, so I'm just going to turn off my family switch and ignore them forever. That's, how's, that, how's that work for you, right? <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't work so well. But people do that with their nutrition and they do that with their fitness very easily uh work's busy i'm volunteering more oh this is this is going on oh it's christmas time oh it's back to school time and they they flick the switch off on their fitness and nutrition Mm. how has that served you in the past i'm guessing not very well right yeah so instead of flicking the switch off let's turn the dial down well normally i was coming five days a week but life is pretty busy so i'm going to come 
three days a week. Well, three is a hell of a lot better than zero. Mm. Any is better than zero. So what can you do to just turn the dial down, not worried about perfection and nailing it, everything you've done when life was going well? Because we'd both know life is not a smooth line. It does not exist. No, man. It Life, I was thinking about this today, life will continuously throw curveballs at you. Like that's the whole, you're resilient humans, right? That is, that is life. Like we have, um, there's not a soul in this world that doesn't have a, a baggage that they're carrying right now or something that they're trying to deal with. Um, and it is um, when we, we should, like when we recognize that I'm not in this alone, that I, I'm like everybody else, um, how do I, you know, develop the tools in order to handle the things that are going to come at me? You know, it's acceptance. Like, you know, we will have struggles in this world. That's just a fact. But how we deal with them, well, that's up to us and the, the choices that we make, right? And so I really love the dial analogy because um, it allows me and people to say, okay, right now, today, um, I can't do... Um, do this, but I can do that. I can choose to, you know, um, um, well, for me, it's always, I choose to go to the gym because <laughs> coming to the gym is more than about my physical health. It's probably more about my mental health and having the ability to come in and, um, just, um, focus on, you know, the work in front of me, um, be coached and, have a, an hour of where I don't have to make big decisions or, or whatever. And it gives me a total sense of, um, relief and peace at the end of a, at the end of a session, right? I can leave here exhausted, but mentally energized, right? Because I, I have left some of those issues and problems that have come through the day on the floor, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I wrote down, don't wish for an easy life wish to develop the strength to get through it exactly right. right because we all will face problems right and you know and sometimes you look at somebody and you go oh you know they've got it made you know look they've got everything in perfection and the reality is that ain't true nobody does and uh, we're all works in progress and um, that's why I think you know we've got to treat people with grace and kindness because we don't really know what's happening uh, with them right and uh to me is that it's the image of the duck that looks calm and collected on top of the water but the yeah. the feet underneath the water just going a mile a minute exactly right? we're all we are we're all those ducks yeah and so when you i think though the power though is in realizing that right so okay i realize that what can i do to help mitigate some of the situations that i find myself in what is it is it going to the gym is it getting into the woods is it um, you know playing disc golf or, you know and being deliberate about those things that you know that if i do this that i it will be better you know in the long run i literally just had that conversation i hate saying literally because it sounds <laughs> like a millennial thing but um literally had that uh talk this morning with somebody and it was she came in and, and looked at the wall and she goes, oh, I, I think about that all the time. I, I get to work out. I don't have to work out. She goes, that sticks with me in like everything that I do throughout the day. Like, oh, I, I get to do this or I get to spend time with my family. And I go, it's funny because like that, that quote sticks with people. And then I've said other things that have stuck with other people. Mm-hmm. And one of them said that same thing. He goes, 
I always ask the question, what can I do about it? So if there's a situation that pops up in front of me, what can I do about it? Sometimes the answer is nothing. And if that's the answer, that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. So right. you, you literally just push it aside. It's off the table. If there is something you can do about it, great. Do it. Decide. Now I'm going to do something about this thing. Um, I was talking to a principal last night and he was saying, uh, he asked, he said, well, so what ex what exactly do you do? And I said, well, you know, finance, we got a quarter billion dollar budget and we've got transportation and facilities. You, you look after that. Yeah. And uh, health and safety and, you know, food services and all that. And he just goes like, how do you do this? And I go, well, I don't think about the whole picture. I think about what's in front of me. You know, what's the next thing that I have to do? And I have a great team, which is my, you know, uh, my raison d'etre is to support them in, in doing all the heavy lifting, right? And, uh, but, it's, but it's that idea, again, of bringing things from a macro yeah. to a micro, right? And yeah. because I would drive myself crazy with the amount of responsibility that I actually have if I thought about it all the time, right? I don't. I, I deal with the issues and things that arise and the things that I have to get done within the next, you know, 24, 48 week and, um, and just deal with that. I don't go home and dwell on, you know, all of the situations that, that could arise because right. I would be crazy. Well, that's living, living in the future. Um, I, I saw somebody say that about that's anxiety. Anxiety is not living in the present. It's looking forward and trying to live, live in the future. Mm. That's going to drive, you're going to drive yourself crazy because you don't know what the future will hold. You do know what is directly in front of you and what you can do about it. Mm. So absolutely. I, I think it was, uh, the question was, what do you do when somebody comes to you and they say they're, they're experiencing high anxiety and he goes, come on back, come on right. back. You're, you're too far forward. Just get back to where you are currently. And mm. Great that, advice. That, that one resonated with me quite a bit. Mm. Um, I have a, a decision that needs to be made currently in my life. And my mentor said, write down three options. He goes, right now in your head, it probably feels like there's a thousand options that are out there. He goes, write down three. And I guarantee you'll feel better after you do it. And I hmm. started, okay. So I started typing them out. I actually wrote down six options. And I was like, okay. Now that they're written down, it's out of my head. So I don't, I do not have to take up that mental real estate to keep thinking about it over and over again. And now I can actually look at those options and say, which one makes the most sense and then act on it, right? Like right. now, what can I do about it? I can decide on one of those six options. Right. Anyway. I think, um, that reminds me of, uh, the book, uh, getting things done by David Allen that he talks about it in uh, mind like water. So you, the, the analogy of when you um, uh, have a big decision to make, like you, you want to, uh, it's like throwing a, a rock into a pond and you get the ripple effect. But the, the idea is the, so that you come back to, um, to calm as quickly as you can. And one of the ways is by determining, dealing with stuff dealing with things as they come in and say, can I do anything about this? Can I do it now? Or should I just put in a file to go come back later? Um, writing things down, putting it on a calendar so that you're getting all of the inputs that are coming at you and fast and furious 
into places where you trust and then you don't have to think about it and then it's not a loop and it's not you know because he, he says when do you uh think about um you know changing the batteries in your flashlight you know it's like when you go and get your flashlight and you realize versus I, sh I, I should change the batteries in my flashlight. I will do that on Friday and just plunk it in the in your calendar and you don't have to think about it again. When it pops up, you just go and do it, yeah. right? And so you freed that mental space to, you know, to live life. I've done, it's funny you say that with batteries because I do that for the AED here. It's, right. it's in my calendar as a recurring thing on when to check to see when the battery expires and I have to order a new one. Well, that's a good thing right? because, you know, I'm old, right? So right, you could, exactly. could need it at any point in time. <laughs> I'm wondering, so what you just said, there's a there's a book I read. It was, man, it was thicker than the Bible. Like it was huge, <laughs> um, but it was about organization. And this is something I've used with a couple of my um, um, entrepreneur clients. There's four Ds of basically getting shit done. Mm -hmm. The first one is do... It's delegate, mm -hmm. delete, mm -hmm. and defer. Yes. And that's it. I created those as like cue cards when I first started this. And I would write down my tasks. I'd be like, okay, what, what category do they go in? If it's due, then I prioritize them. What's the most, what's the easiest one I can do? Then what's mm -hmm. the most challenging? And then I start working through the rest. Um, defer. Can I put it off? Is this urgent right now or is this something that I can do later? Delegate. Is there somebody that can do a better job at this than I can? Get, give it to them or ask them about it. Or delete. Not needed. I'll put it in the delete. And if it's important or if it comes up later, then we can address it. But it's like yeah, it's like a really longer defer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like sort of like a, a comeback file, right? It's not. It's just there. And if I, but it's it, out of your head. If I'm the in the, exactly. If I'm in the mood, I'll go look at it. But I don't need it. Yeah. Right. And if if for some <laughs> some chance that my do list is empty, I can go look in the, yeah. the delete pile. <laughs> Never getting there. No, no, right? no. Exactly. I showed you my filing cabinet that I had there at the office last week, and it's full of stuff that I haven't looked at in four years. It's got to yeah. go, right? Yeah. You know, that's just mental energy. It's just sitting there. You know. Yeah. But I I really that that whole process and it's not complicated changed my life i was to the point many years ago where i was missing meetings um volunteering all over the place and and my it just i was to the point i started quitting things um but this process of dealing with uh things as they come in do delegate delete or defer um really uh saved my my bacon really and you know i try to um, utilize that with you know the inundation of emails that I get at work and um, um, you know it works I try to get a little bit of white space in that inbox right yeah. um, and and just because uh, it's so true and, and 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 it goes with office space or you know uh, at home like clutter around and things that you haven't done your brain is good at keeping things keeping things in there but it reminds you at the most inopportune times to go and do something right and so when you categorize it label it and put it away in places that you trust you're going to free up that mental mental energy to yep. work on things that are really important to you absolutely hmm. um a couple other topics i'd like to touch on is um age and training mm. now it's it's no secret that you're not a spring chicken no um i don't know how that happened <laughs> it just <laughs> seems to happen mm. um how has that i guess affected you or or 
or changed over over your kind of like your athletic career like like mm. you said earlier or I said earlier you've run 10 marathons over over your lifetime um it's it's got to be there's got to be something going on in the mind like is it a voice in your head that says screw you i'm gonna keep doing what i want to do or is it still like yelling at you saying hey dude you should slow down a little bit hmm well first of all let me say that i'm still struggling with the idea of aging so that is one of my goals in the next six months let's say to get a better attitude about it because um it is just something that i'm still struggling with but having said that i'm in the best shape that i've ever been in like right so from first year of university i'm in better shape today than i than i've ever been been in um i interesting question my mindset is i'm not old kevin you know, when I'm working out next to a 20 year old or, you know, a teenager or whatever, like I'm there, I'm, I'm doing my level best every time. Right. And it's usually it's all, you know, it's balls out all the time. Right. It shouldn't be, but that's my personality. Um, I, I like, I don't compete with them, but I see them out of the corner of my eye and I want to try to keep up with that. Right. It's probably kill me at some point, but that idea of, um, I should slow down or I am, you know, uh, I, I, I don't let that uh, get inside my head. It's, it, I will, I know, um, and I've, but so far I'm still improving, right? This, the, the whole CrossFit and level method and, you know, it works. Uh, Weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but it, but so I have that in my head, that component, I don't feel like uh, I'm aging. It's, I don't know, maybe the pressure of, okay, now I'm 60, which is just unbelievable. Like you, you won't, you will understand this when in 20 years, you'll understand this, that you don't know how you got here. Right. And I was thinking about this the other day is that I think one of the things that I would say to people younger than me would be let's try to be more intentional about your years because they will go by and you'll get to the point and you go, what the hell, how did I get to be 60? Um, but I think that, you know, from working out and I, I, I have not set limits. I do uh, intentionally um, do things that are, I would say, invigorating, right? Like so a, a one wheel, right? Uh, I, what is that? Tell, tell our listeners if they don't know. So it's an electric, uh, basically, skateboard with one wheel um, and you... Um, it's like land surfing, land snowboarding. You just, it's fantastic. It's, but there's quite a bit of an element of danger involved. Yeah. But, but you, you know, you practice and, and, uh, and you wear the protective gear and, and that sort of thing. But um, I just, I don't want to get into that where um, I'm not doing things because I'm old, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about CrossFit and, and this place is that it it is allowing me to, to pursue these things, right? I went surfing this year for the first time. I learned um, mm -hmm. um, kite surfing. I took a few lessons to do that uh, this summer. Um, just kind of, you know, because I can. And I these are things that I want to do and, and try. So I think, you know, age, while 
I guess I'm looking after it from the physicality point of view and, and that sort of thing. I still have a yucky feeling about it. Like I can't explain it, but it's, but I need to deal with it because it's, you know, I, I shouldn't be that way. Like I shouldn't be thinking about it in that kind of negative sense. I know it, but I don't know. I haven't figured out what to do yet. Any advice? Well, okay, for <laughs> two, two, two things. One, it, what you just described reminds me of the famous quote, you don't, you don't stop playing because you grow old, you grow old because you stop playing. And if you continue to explore and challenge yourself, that pretty much takes care of itself. It really does. I heard a stat years ago, and I, I don't know how much truth behind it is, there is, but um, after teachers retire... On average, they die in five years after retirement because they stop doing things, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I know the job of a teacher and the life of a teacher, and I know how high activity and high stress it is. And then when they stop, their body just decides to say, okay, we're done now. Mm. You really need to fill that void with something that's not so, I don't want to say stressful, but all the activities that we're doing do create stress on our bodies, but in a good way. Mm. There's a difference between distress and eustress, but they're both stress. And so when you try things like the one wheel and weightlifting mm -hmm. and kite surfing and surfing, like all of those things, you're creating stress in your life, but it's a good stress. And so your body will continue to stay young or evolve as you do those things. Mm. And that's that's my goal. And it's, it's always been my goal since, mm -hmm. since starting this is even when I was a teacher, exposing kids to as many different activities as possible. Because I, I don't know what they're going to be interested in. There's very few kids that will you know, go off and continue to play basketball after they're done high school, right? Like it just kind of ends for them. But there's a ton of kids out there that would play disc golf. Mm. So exposing kids to these types of games and activities. So when I was teaching phys ed, I would teach them how to play ultimate Frisbee. Like, let's learn how to throw a Frisbee outside in a field. And it was different. When I was at Petty Kodiak, I taught them how to do parkour. Mm. I didn't know if they were going to like it or not, but we yeah. tried it. Yeah. So I, I tried to shy away from like the big, the big five, which was like basketball, volleyball, badminton, floor hockey, and soccer. Like that was, those were the main sports that every phys ed teacher would teach. I'd still do them, but then I'd also bring in lacrosse and wrestling. Like I said, parkour, wall climbing. I helped build a wall climbing <laughs> gym at Trimble when I was there, right. right? Like get these different activities that gets these kids involved in. And I still, I want adults to do the same thing. Mm. And so when I took, took a group of members out from here to the disc golf course, they're like, yes. We're all in. This is my new favorite thing ever. And like one of them signed up to be a volunteer yeah, and so showed up and helped. Like I it's know. crazy, right? Yeah, it's, that's fantastic, right? And so that's the thing. Like now that that woman volunteering, moving logs, like mm -hmm. how young is she going to feel as she ages as well? Yeah. As a result, right? Yeah. And so that was part one. Part two of what you said, it reminded me of an experience that you had or, or we both had. But when you went to the uh, Masters Weightlifting Nationals in Moncton, mm -hmm. we got to see and experience mm. athletes that were way older than both of us. Tell us a little bit about that experience or those conversations you had with them. Yeah, it was uh, 
really, I think, uh, motivating to see uh, folks that have been in the sport for a long time um, who um, continue to to come because, you know, one of the guys, I can't remember what his name was, uh, from Quebec, he was, I think, 82, 83 years old and still lifting in competition. Well, he doesn't have to do that, but he does. And I bet bottom dollar that it's keeping him, you know, mentally sharp and, and physically on point. And it is so neat to see um, um, the attitude about it because it is, I don't, yeah, I'm old, but I'm, I'm still active. I'm still doing the things that I like to do and love to do and continue to do, right? Um, and so, and the other piece, hey, you show up, you do your lifts. I'm in an age group that there's not a lot of competition, so I'm winning, baby. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, you know, and I say that jokingly and I'll say that to people, you know, they'll go, oh, wow, you qualified. You say, yeah, I qualified. Well, I qualified because I'm in this age group and I'm in this size, you know, of category. But at the same time, and then people will say, well, you know, I couldn't do it. And it's like, yeah, I have to put in the work in order to show up, right, and and compete, and so that's where I get my, you know, my um, uh, motivation or gusto. Know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah, and you know, on that re- retirement thing, like, I that's one question that I hate people asking me, like, when are you going to retire? And because I, I think. You know, retirement's kind of a modern construct, right? I mean, 100 years ago, people didn't retire or maybe a little longer, right? You just worked and and then you were part of the family and you were looked after. Um, then that came along the Freedom 55 and this whole idea of, of, of leaving early. Um, I honestly had this thought on Monday, on the holiday Monday, that like as I was sitting on the couch, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what would I do if this was my life, right? Like, I would while it away, and I'm not even exactly sure, you know, if I'd survive it, right? And I, as I, I don't intend to retire anytime soon. Um, I have a couple of passion projects that I'm working at work that I want to try to, you know, see through. But I don't, it gives me purpose, right? I'm serving kids, I'm, you know, doing the best that I can, I'm serving my team, right? I'm serving the community. And, um, you know, why, why, why would I leave that? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I just, uh, I'm not ready to go yet. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, and I, I've talked about this with a few, uh, gym owners, the idea of retirement for, for people now is just like, it almost doesn't exist. It's like a, right. This mental construct that people built up years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, like why would I stop coaching? Like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I look at guys like Mike Bergner, who's in his 80s, who's still coaching weightlifting and CrossFitters, and he still shows up to the CrossFit games and gives away his, his advice for free. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I want that to be me. Yeah. I want to keep helping people until the very end, the right. whole time. Yeah. And whether I'm paid for it or not down the road, I don't give a shit, whatever. Right. Like, if I'm well off by then, great. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to bust my balls to, to get to that point. So I think it brings us full circle back to the self-limiting or the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm. Well, oh, I'm 60 now. I guess I must retire. Yeah. I guess I should do this or whatever, right? And versus, yeah, no, that doesn't apply to me, right? I, I'm still doing everything and, and more, uh, you know, as far as improving and, and getting, um, serving schools better and, and all of those things. Like, why would I stop that? 
um, just because I've reached an age the that age, people right. do retire, right? Yeah. And so I don't really have um, have that uh, in me right now to to consider. Cool. Hmm. Um, I'd love to ask you. I ask all the guests this. I'd like to hear what your definition or how you would describe uh, resiliency to other people. I think resiliency is knowing that in this life we will have struggles and knowing I can make choices as to how I will deal with those struggles that come. Right. And so I know that I've got some strategies that I've developed or I know people that will help me through these periods or whatever. Right. So it's an it's an acceptance that I will have troubles. Right. Because some people are surprised by it. Yeah. <laughs> Even after the 15th time, they're still right. surprised. Why is this happening to me? But knowing that that is a, that is a reality. What are the things that I can do to be uh, to respond back and to bounce back or to uh, to lead others right and so I would say that would be my definition so knowing and doing and knowing this knowing I will have troubles but also knowing that I have the ability to respond I like I really enjoy that you said the word respond I did a whole episode so if anyone's listening if you want to go back I did a whole episode on the difference between reacting and responding and I, I I want to believe that you chose that word on purpose because mm. when you respond, it means it's it's a mental choice. It's not like a quick, bam, reaction like, ah, something happened. I got to do something. Like you're actually thinking about it. It's a mental process. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to our listeners on how to become a more resilient human? Give me something practical that after listening to this that they can actually go out and do. Well... You know, without sounding, you know, kiss assy or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, exploring the idea of a coach, um, whether it's coaching from a fitness level or a nutrition level or just or the mindset, which is probably the most important. And coaching can also be counseling and, and those kinds of things as well. But getting um, I think getting somebody in your life like that, that will help uh, no bullshit you, right? So, you know, you're bringing in your stories that you created that, have, that, you, that are preventing you from getting to where you want to go. You want somebody to be able to check you on that and say, hey, you know, dude, you know, that's, have you tried this or did you do that? And right. And really call you and keep you accountable, I guess. Right. So yeah. I think that's what I would say. It's funny. My, my coach told me, my mindset coach told me, observe your client's stories don't believe them it's like oh that's good so you can you can witness them and listen but you don't have to believe the stories because they're stories right and stories can change and mm -hmm. you can help them through that process if you observe them but as soon as you start to believe them you become attached to that story and it's going to be really hard for both of you to get out of it mm. yeah. awesome Good advice. Please, please tell us uh, before we sign off. You mentioned two passion projects. I'd like you to. This is your time. Tell tell us about them, and if people can get involved in any way or support them in any way, uh, now's the time. So one of the projects um, that we're uh, piloting at Arnold H. McLeod School is a reduced and free lunch. Um, I'm a firm believer that 
by providing a healthy lunch to kids. Uh, we've got breakfast programs in place, so the next step is to, for lunch because uh, stats show anywhere between 20 to 28 percent of kids are uh, are hungry at school. Uh, obviously, if they're hungry, they can't. They have difficulty learning. There's behavior. There's attendance issues. There's health issues. And so, if we can get our students a good, healthy meal, um, we can, I believe tackle all of those things and more, right? And so um, what we're doing uh, at Arnold H. McLeod is a pilot to determine the uptake. And so what we're seeing right now is about 60% of parents are paying $3 uh, for a meal and a drink, which is like super cheap. Um, and uh, so the subsidy is what we're paying above that to the provider. Um, and also those that are um, can't afford that, that we've got a program in place so that we can look after them as well and uh, ensure that every kid gets a, a healthy meal and nobody knows who's getting what, right? And so I, that's really important to me. Canada is 37th in the world when it comes to child and nutrition programs, um, which is terrible. Uh, we're the only G7 country without a program. Um, and uh, I believe I strongly believe that we can really make a difference in how well our students uh, achieve and, um, and grow by this simple thing. I mean, the United States has had a reduced pro lunch program for, since 1948, you know, and so it's, it's time and we're, we can afford it. And it's an investment in people. It's an investment in children. And I can't for the life of me think of an, another way to spend money than, than put it in helping kids, right? It's, it's dead simple. Let's do this. Well, it's, Ma it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If their survival and food needs are not being met, nothing above it is going to matter. No. Nothing else matters, right? right? Yeah. yeah. And so, if, you know, we can have all the best educational programs in play, but if my belly is hungry, I am not listening and nope. I'm not participating. Not learning. I'm Absolutely. sorry. It's just a fact. It's science. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other project that uh, we've implemented, and are con it's an ongoing project, it's called Project Shield, and it's uh, protect and prevent children from being uh, sexually abused within our school systems. Um, and um, so what we have put in place uh, is a layered approach. So basically what we're doing is shining a light on the topic. It's a difficult topic, but it's one that happens. Um, we happen to be one of the target areas, right? That's where kids are. Um, scouts and guides and sports teams and churches and all of those things where children gather is where these predators go and so what we want to do is make people aware uh, we want to talk about it we want to identify behaviors to be on the lookout for identify grooming behaviors um, just um, pay more attention to bringing people into the system and interviewing and background checks and all of those things like just improve and just talk about it because what we know is that if we shine the light on on it as a regular basis that we can uh, reduce the opportunities for that to happen within our organization because we are aware we know right. what to look for and we know what process to follow um, sadly it's happened i mean it, it happens um, more often than we would want it to happen um, probably within my time at the district um, We've seen probably six or seven individuals that have been, uh, you know, let go and gone to court and landed in jail because of behavior that, um, you know, is not acceptable. And uh, so we need to protect our kids from that. Um, and and it, you do it by paying attention and just, you know, having an awareness about it and talking openly about it because they're able to practice their 
uh, bag of tricks because uh, they're in the dark and they're they're out of the way and that we you know so you know similar to like mad mothers against drunk driving you know it's just an awareness thing and if the more that we pay attention to it the less opportunity people are going to have you're making it less attractive for them to yeah to participate yeah not yeah. here you're not going to do that here correct right cool. yeah yeah well thank you for sharing those is, is there any way people can can support or, or get involved in any way i think um we have a a, a website so i would you know check start there check out um projectshield.ca and uh, you can see where we're uh, we're at um, as far as the food programming we are working with um, you know food depot elementaire and other agencies who have similar um, uh, you know similar motivations to make sure that children are getting fed um, we just started a group um, meeting this fall and so out of that, we're going to see some communications and opportunities for people um, because what we, what we know is that we can, we can make a difference when we're all pulling in the same direction. And, um, you know, it isn't rocket science. And, yeah, it costs a bit of money, but as I said earlier, what better way to spend money than to help children, right, to be the best that they can be, right? And so um, you'll see more about that coming in the future. Awesome. Mm. Well, Aubrey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Great stories of resiliency, and, and you're, doing, you're doing great work, so um, keep it up. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here, Kevin. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.